0: welcome to the city view community church podcast whether you're here for our weekly sermons leadership chats or conversations about life we are stoked that you are here if you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us head over to cityviewcc.com our prayer today is that you walk away challenged encouraged and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing god loving people and living on mission let's jump right in well, hey, family. I hope over the last couple of weeks, you've been inspired, you've been challenged, you've been interested in, in diving deeper into your faith journey, experiencing what it is to, to invite the Holy Spirit into your life in some deeper ways. And this series has been a real challenge for me and a challenge, and it's it's been amazing to watch the conversations and watch how so many of you are starting to take those deeper steps and and take this as a as an opportunity for you to connect with the Lord in in a new and a deeper way. And so I I'm so excited about it. And I honestly believe that this month that we've been carving out time to actually talk about the Holy Spirit. Many of you hearing this for for the first time. I believe it's going to be one of those monument marker months. A, a time when we look back and and go, "Man, th- the Lord was up to something serious there." And, and hearing so many of you already the stories of of how the Lord's challenging you and and what you're seeing happening, I, I believe it's going to be just incredible to see what this next season looks like for all of us. But just as a reminder, as we're as we're diving into this, last week we started talking about how do you know that the Holy Spirit is active in your life, and you you saw this note, and it's I thought it was important for us to go back to it. That when the Holy Spirit is active in your life, the evidence will be the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. Last week we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, and if you missed that, you can head over to YouTube or Facebook and uh, podcasts anywhere, anywhere you want to go. We we have that conversation available for you there. But today I want to talk about the the gifts of the Spirit. One of the parts that confuses people the most and maybe causes the most amount of tension in our faith journey and our belief systems and, and all of the things that we, we kind of navigate there. And so as we jump in, I want to ask you just a really important question. Have you ever had somebody in your life that was extremely difficult to buy a gift for? Come on, you know that, that person in your life that, man, you just sweat over buying them a gift and you don't know what to do. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just meddle all the way in. Are you sitting next to the person right now? If I, Just like raise your hand if you're sitting next to him and you just look at him and let him know, hey, it's you. You're the one. And the reason why I can even talk about this is because I am one of those people. I'm extremely difficult to buy for. And it's not because I'm like overly picky or just rude about gifts. The, the reality is I don't really require a whole lot of stuff. So when there is something that I want, usually I just go and get it, right? Like I just go get what it is that I want because it's rare that I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to get this, whatever it is, right? But the other part is that I have really, really bad luck when it comes to special gifts. It's just like, it's terrible luck. And for a long time, my love language was gifts, and, and I'm a great gift giver. I know that about myself, and, and I love getting gifts too, but it just ended up creating this tension between Lauren and I, and it was this really weird thing that we can laugh about now, but it was such a struggle for the longest time, because Lauren would work so hard to give these really special and amazing gifts, and just somehow, some way, every time, it just didn't work out. It just got weird and something went crazy. Like like just here a couple examples. Like Lauren, I, I got passionate about I'm gonna buy a sailboat, I'm gonna be a pirate one day. And she bought me sailing lessons for my birthday. And I realized on the very first class that I am meant to captain a ship, not sail one. Like I am meant to wear the big hat and just direct people, but I have no idea what I'm doing and I was terrible at it and it was not fun, it was miserable. And so it was a three part lesson. And I literally went to one that said, no, I'm out on sailing. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) It was it just didn't work out. And another time I was I was fired up. I want to I want to learn how to play the violin. I've taught myself how to play guitar and piano and drums and bass. And I want to teach myself how to play violin. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's really hard. And I, I taught myself one song on there, and it took forever to do it. And I realized the only way for me to learn how to play violin is to actually go and take lessons. Well, ain't nobody got time for that. So I didn't go and do that, so that gift didn't work out. Then I was all fired up. We moved to a, a beach city. I've always wanted to have one of the little, the little spike ball nets where you could play spike ball on the beach. I've always loved that idea. We got too old to play volleyball all the time, and so spike ball is the perfect opportunity. Well, All of my friends got old, and they don't want to go play on the beach anymore. If they actually do go to the beach, all they want to do is sit down and watch the children not drown. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what's wrong with my friends. I just wanted to play spike ball. Didn't work out. Finally, the last one is she bought me surf lessons, because surfing on the West Coast is very different than surfing on the East Coast, where I learned how to surf. And so I go for my very first lesson, and many of you know the story. Hour in, I get my kneecap sliced open by a stingray, and I just keep surfing, just attracting jaws to come and bite my leg off, and I'm bleeding when I get out the water. It's just bad luck after bad luck. So she's giving up. At this point, it's like, hey, you know what you're going to get? You're getting socks and underwear, and you're just going to have to enjoy it, right? Like It's just this challenging thing. And as I was thinking about gifts, I started looking up some some research around gifts and the gift-giving industry is actually exploding and it's still growing like crazy. But one area is growing more than all the other ones. And I bet you could probably guess what it is. It's gift cards. Gift cards in the next 3 years, it's anticipated that that industry will be worth 1.4 trillion dollars gift cards alone not just gifts gift cards 1.4 trillion with the t now why is that the case cuz it's the easiest way to give a gift without messing up it it's the best way to give them something instead of the the risk of giving them a gift that they may not want or or getting their kneecaps sliced open by a, a, a land shark or something crazy, instead of giving them something that isn't going to pan out, it's easier to just give them a gift card to somewhere you know that they're going to love, somewhere they're going to enjoy, a restaurant or, or, or coffee or a clothing store. It's easier to give them something that's less risky like a gift card than it is to risk being embarrassed or giving them the wrong thing. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Look at this on the screen. For many people, a faith journey without the gifts of the Spirit seems easier because it lessens the chance of embarrassment or confusion. You hear things like, "Well, well, Danny, Danny, I heard about this church that they did this kind of like weird. They did this stuff, and man, I I went to a church one time where where people were doing this, and and it just was. I don't know if I can invite a friend to church if. If there's a chance that something kind of crazy like this is going to break out, and I just don't know, it's easier to have this faith journey without the risk of the gifts of the Spirit. And many times this is what happened. And, and look, I'll just I'll pull back the curtain, and this may get me in trouble with some of the people who, who, uh, who know me well, but man, I'll just be honest. Like, we grew up in a church culture that seemed to be more in love with the gift of the Spirit Spirit, than they were in love with Jesus. That's that's a harsh statement, but that's kind of what it felt like. Like, there was just so much emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit. And I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we talk about Jesus? Can we talk about, like, a relationship with Him? And, And so it created this real tension point for Lauren and I when we were starting the church. Because we, we went from a very gift-heavy kind of environment to one that was less about the gifts of the Spirit and more about connection with Jesus and more about the, the practical side of your relationship and, and a lot less on the gifts of the Spirit. And there were, there were pros and cons to both. And so for Lauren and I, we decided that when we're starting this church, we want to find somewhere in the messy middle well, we prioritize what's most important, this relationship and this connection with Jesus. But we also realize that a church that's not empowered by the Holy Spirit with both the fruits and the gifts will be limited in our effectiveness of reaching the mission of Jesus. We'll be limited because we aren't fully tapping into the power that's available to us when the Holy Spirit is active and alive and free. And so what we try to do is we try to balance this, this tension within the church where there's freedom for the Holy Spirit to move, but we also create onerance where, like this series, you can understand what we're talking about, understand what's going on, not just walking into the room and, and us using this language, and you're like, what are you talking about? So we're, we're trying to find that that balance between, because I would be doing you a disservice as a pastor if I didn't let you know that there was more available in your faith walk, more available in your relationship with Jesus, and that more is available through the Holy Spirit. I love how Francis Chan says it. It's so good. He says, if you've not experienced God in ways you cannot explain, cannot deny, I would suggest you're not living in a dependent, If in your life, there isn't a moment where you go, I I can't really explain it. I I don't know. I just know that I felt God in that moment. I just know that that the Lord showed up in that moment. I I can't give you all the answers. Francis Chan would, would challenge you and say, if you haven't had a moment like that, if you haven't had several moments like that, there's a chance that you're not as desperate and dependent on God as you might think you are. And so it's a challenge for us to to lean in, because when when Jesus described the Holy Spirit, he said, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Jesus told him there's a, a power that was coming to him after he left, after he ascended into heaven, a power that would not only comfort them, but would complete the equipping for the mission. It would complete the equipping. It wasn't just head, a head knowledge about him. It wasn't just teaching the same things he taught. It wasn't just trying to live out the values that he lived out. But there was a completion that was found through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power within them ignited and exploded and they began to multiply. They saw the miracles that Jesus was doing happening through them. And they saw people coming to faith, and they saw this commission to go out into the world and spread the gospel, they saw it actually happening. And it went from 120 of them in an upper room to 3,000 within a day. And the number just kept growing and growing and growing. So, what are the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, so we're going to be reading a lot of his his text about it in his, his letters. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, he says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So there's two foundational things about the spiritual gifts that I want you to understand. The first one is this: that spiritual gifts are given to each of us. There are not some super special holy people that get get a gift and you don't. Well, you didn't pray a prayer a certain way, so you, they got the gift and you don't. No, 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 no. Spiritual gifts are given to each of us. My gifts is different than your gifts, and your gifts are different than my gifts. Why is that there? It's because we were all called to the same mission to go out into the world and make disciples. We we're given the same mission to connect people with Jesus. And so each of us are deposited with these gifts, these gifts of the Spirit. The second part is spiritual gifts are given to help each other, they are not there for profit. They're not there. For fame, they're not there for making ourselves look better, they're not there for us to highlight how great this gift from the Spirit is within us and how less it is in you. That's not what they were intended for. They were given to each of us for the purpose of helping and equipping and edifying and encouraging one another as we grow in our pursuit of Jesus. But here's the problem. One of the the prevailing mindsets within our culture and and even in the Christian culture is this idea, well, well why do I need a church? I can just follow Jesus on my own. I don't need to go to church. that's just an institution that's that's flawed people and that's just there to take my money, and that's just there for the corruption and there's bad things that happen. Paul makes it abundantly clear. In in verses 12 through 27, he describes us as one body, the body of Christ. We're all working together, we're called together. He makes this joke, he he says, can the foot look at the head and say, well, I don't need you. Can the eye look at the hand and say, ah. You're useless. I don't need you. I'm going to do it on my own. But somehow in our our faith journeys, we think, well, because we don't like how that happened there. We don't like what's going on there. And this situation happened to me there. Then then I'm out on all this church stuff. I'm out on the body of Christ. It's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. Paul would say, you're crazy. We were never created to do it on on our own. These gifts were there for us to help each other. Because guess what? You can't do all of them. Not everybody is going to have all of the gifts. There's not some superhuman Christian that just all of these gifts at the same time, and they don't need anybody else. You know who that was? It was Jesus. You know what he did? He was with people. He was in relationship with them. He continues in, in verse 18. He says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. This is why having a church family is so important. It's not so you can come and and sit in the room or watch online and, and hear a 30, 32 minute long sermon and go, okay, I got my Jesus for the week. It's not so you can sing some songs from a killer band and, and, and be able to have a moment where you feel goosebumps and it's all over for the week. Like, that's not what it was for. The body of Christ is there so we can equip and encourage one another. Your faith journey is not a solo sport. I'm sorry. There are people on Instagram that will tell you, you don't need anybody else. All you need is Jesus. But the model that we see. Jesus himself, the Son of God, chose to do life with flawed people, to pour into them, to have the gifts there shared together. He created it a certain way for us to do this together. So Paul reveals to us in his writings that there are, there are three types of spiritual gifts. The first one is ministry gifts. Ministry gifts. Ephesians four, eleven through 13 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So those five ministry gifts, you'll see it on the screen in your notes. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Just very, very quickly, just so you have a a general understanding of these gifts. The apostle is someone who who leads and starts churches, starts ministry. They are the ones who go and and activate a, a body within a certain community. The prophets. They bring a unique word from the Lord for the body and to the body. The evangelists, the best way I would describe them is that they are, they are uniquely gifted to go out and bring those who are far from the Lord in. They call out, they, they, are, they are preparing the way, they are bringing them in. But then there's the gift of, of pastors. Pastors are those who, who care for the people. Many times, an evangelist is someone who can get people in, but the idea of like sitting at coffee with them and, and like digging into their lives and, and caring for their needs is like, whoa, well, I just want to invite them and get them in. Pastors are there to, to care and, and to shepherd and, and to build that connection. And then there's teachers teachers who, who share knowledge and wisdom from the word to the body. They're teachers. Here's the, here's, here's the beauty of it all. I don't have all of these gifts. I'm not some superhuman Christian that has all of these gifts for the church. I wasn't meant to. We were meant to do this together. That's the beauty of the body of Christ within the function and the picture of the church. We're doing this together. I have gifts and you have gifts and together we edify, we equip, We encourage the church. You see, while not everyone is called to be a pastor inside the church, you are called to be a pastor in your circle of influence. You were called, you were commissioned to produce fruit. And the fruit that Jesus would describe was you being an activated disciple maker. You going out into the world and making disciples. That is part of being a pastor to your your circle. We don't have time to go in there today, but I'm just just challenging you a little bit. Some of you go, well, I don't have those gifts because I'm not called to be in ministry in the church. Yeah, that's not just within the church. They function in other ways. So what's the next set of gifts? The next set is number two, the manifestation gifts. Manifestation gifts, and you're like, man, oh, man, oh, what, what are we, what are we talking about here? The manifestation gifts represent the the work that God does through the life of a believer in a given situation that demonstrates supernatural power. Demonstrates supernatural power. What are these? Paul says it this way in verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some else, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, speak in tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, here's the deal. There's, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit. These are the gifts, the manifestation gifts, that cause the most amount of trouble within religious circles, within people's understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to take a little bit of time to kind of walk through what these look like so that there's a little clarity for you when you read them in the scripture, you, you hear someone talking about them, you understand what is being said here, what these gifts are that can cause so much tension and confusion. So we're going to hit these super quick, but the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. The first one is a message of wisdom. Message of wisdom, it's a divine answer or solution for a particular event. The Lord gives this like, supernatural wisdom on how to, to handle a certain situation. The second one is a message of special knowledge. Knowing something specific without knowing by natural means. Many times you see this happen, like you're, you're praying with someone and the Lord gives them a, a message of special knowledge where they, they're able to tell you something about your life that maybe no one in the world knows. I've seen this happen hundreds of times where the Lord gives special knowledge and is able to use someone to, to speak to you, hey, that thing that happened in your childhood, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you, that it wasn't your fault. Like it, This ability to know something that there's no way they would otherwise know it other than the Lord. Number three, faith. Well, don't we all have faith? Yes. But there are some moments and some people who have this gift where it's this supernatural impartation of belief or confidence for a specific situation. This faith that challenges everyone in the body, even leaders sometimes. This is someone in the church that has a supernatural gift to say, the Lord is telling us we need to move forward with this, even if there's hesitation on the other part. It's encouraging and stirring up faith within the body. Number four, gifts of healing. This is a supernatural moment of divine healing. I think most of us can kind of understand that. Number five, perform miracles. It's when there's a divine intervention that alters the natural. There's some people that have the gifts that they they perform miracles and they do things that we read about in the Bible, and those things are still happening. They're happening in some pockets within America, but in the world around us, I can tell you in, in my trips to Africa, I have watched, man, miracles right in front of me happen in ways that it is only supernatural. Like the presence of God is moving in those ways. Fortunately, in America, it seems like we have so many distractions and confusions that, that we don't see as much of that as we should. But, but it's still available in there. Number six, the gift of prophecy. It's a message of encouragement from God to a person. It, it, it is one that is filled with edification, exhortation, and comfort challenge, this, this word of, of prophecy to someone from God. Number seven, a discerning spirit. It's this awareness of demonic presence in a person or a place. It's the ability to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is, this is not the Lord. There's another spirit here. Uh, they, I've, I've known a handful of people in my life that have this gift that they understand, and, and they have a unique gift to, to handle demonic forces. Um, even though we're all called to be able to handle that, there are those who have a special ability to discern spirits. Number eight, speaking in tongues. This is one that we hear about a lot. It's, it's a message from God in a language that's unknown to the person. You, you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking in a language, you're speaking in a heavenly language or, or sometimes even a language of, of the world. that's just a different dialect somewhere and you're, it's from the Lord through the person. Um. And number nine, interpretation of tongues. Interpretation of this unknown language that shares the intent of the message in tongues. There have been services that we've been a part of where the Lord speaks to someone in tongues and it's just kind of like the room silences and they speak and it's a word from the Lord. And then someone else in the room interprets what the Lord was saying to the church at that time. It's, it's, uh, when it's done in order, it's a really powerful moment. Um, but it's definitely something that has to be done in in order. But here's here's the problem. The issue with many of these gifts, with these manifestation gifts, is that oftentimes they're the ones that are sensationalized. They're the ones that are overemphasized. They're the ones that are emotionalized. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to say it. There's this extra emotion that tr- almost mimics what the Spirit is trying to do, but it's not actually the Spirit. And Paul gives an important warning to those who overfocus on these gifts. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and it possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Listen, I have... This, this is... Pulling back the curtain again, I've, I have watched people have a, a moment with the Lord in the altar and they're, they're going crazy. And that same person get up and, and leave that service, walk into a business meeting after a church service and be the most heartless, dishonest, disrespectful person in the world. I just got to be real with you. I would argue what happened to that person in that moment was more emotionalism than it was actually the move of the Spirit. But I am not God, and I don't sit on the throne of judgment to determine that. But what I can tell you is this, that the gifts of the Spirit become empty of spiritual impact without the fruits of the Spirit. I don't want to hear about the gifts of the Spirit if your fruit are toxic. It's a challenge, not to everyone listening today, but to some. We need to understand that these things work together. That if we're toxic in the way that we treat people, we cannot promote the gifts of the Spirit. Something is missing. Those things should not line up. I should not have the gift. Paul says it. What good is it if I I have the gifts of prophecy? I know the secrets of the Lord. I know what he's going to do, but I don't love people. I am useless. So these fruits and these gifts line up together. And finally, the the third type of gift is is motivational gifts. In Romans 12, Paul says it this way, "In in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is Giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing mercy to others, do it gladly. These motivational gifts are how the Holy Spirit moves through us by motivating our words and our actions, helping us connect with God and others and with our purpose. So those seven gifts he mentioned, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, And showing mercy. And I just want to highlight a couple of these new ones that we haven't touched on yet that I think it's important. But understand that we're we're called to do all of these things. We're called to serve, we're called to lead, we're called to encourage, we're called to give, we're called to have mercy and show mercy. But there are some of you who have a, a unique and a natural gift from the Lord to do these things. Thinking about the gifts of serving, like, yes, we're all called to serve. Jesus was a servant leader, so we're all called to serve. But there are some of you who have the gift, the ability, the unique ability to see a need and fill it. Your eyes see things differently where servant, or serving needs to happen, and you step up and you serve. And leading, there are those who have a special leadership ability to take people from where they want to stay, but bring them to the place that they need to be and able to reach their potential. You have a special and a unique gift of leadership. We're all called to encourage, but there are some that have encouraging as as a spiritual gift this ability to call the best out in, in those around them, the ability to see within people and call out greatness, call out what's been planted, to see the potential and encourage it out. That's an important gift that, we, that, that certain people have that's unique to them. Then there are people with a, a unique gift of giving. Some people, and unfortunately I don't have this gift. I wish I did. It's one that, uh, that would be really awesome. But there are some people who have the gift of just creating wealth. It's like anything they touch, it just explain, it, it explodes, it expands. It, it's amazing what, what God does in those moments with those people but they use that gift to create wealth. They use their resources to benefit the kingdom of God. This gift of giving, of sharing with others, to, to be a vessel through which the Lord doesn't pour into and it stops, but they pour through. It's amazing to watch these people. And then the gift of, of mercy. It's this unique ability to love the unlovable, to look past the flaws and be able to love and care for people right where they are. The example I always kind of think of, a person, it's people who have like this deep heart for homeless people. Like they're able to to push past all the other things that maybe would intimidate other people, that they see right past it, and they're able to connect and minister to people right where they are. So what do we do with all this? You got five gifts, you got nine gifts, you got seven gifts. And what what am I supposed to do with all this, Danny? Well the reality is this I've set the table for you. And here's the deal, I'm not leaving the table. Like it, it's not like, okay, here's the information and peace out. But the table is set. And I'm I'm willing to be here and walk through it with you and, and explore and dig into this some more and and help you in your faith journey in any way that I possibly can, but the reality is, the next step is yours. The next step is you deciding, you know what, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to to impact my life in a deeper way. I want the Holy Spirit to, I I want these gifts that are, are planted within me to be revealed to me. I want to understand these gifts of the Spirit. I want to understand how I can see the fruits of the Spirit be so supernaturally evident in my life that the only thing I can do is point back to God. I want to connect with the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to experience that baptism in Him. I can't do it for you. Like Francis Chan said, it comes with this dependence and this desperation for God to move in your life in that way. And so the question that I've received over the last couple weeks is, well, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Very quickly, it's this. First thing is that you remove all the barriers. Remove all the barriers. Ask the Lord to remove those thoughts, those, those habits, those, those strongholds within your heart and your mind that are, that are sympathetic towards sin, that are allowing sin to stay in your life because you think it's some kind of protection mechanism from the things that could happen in life removing the barriers, those things that would hold back the Spirit from fully having access to every area of your life. It isn't just, oh man, I feel bad because I do this thing I know I wasn't supposed to do. It's turning away. It's surrendering it completely and saying, God, come in and remove all the barriers. The second thing is simply request. Request the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's no special words or special prayers or some chant you have to do It's just simply saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to show yourself in my life. I want to experience this baptism into this deeper connection with you. Just a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, I want you to be active. I I, I want to take this deeper step. I want you not to just be in my life, but be empowering my life. And the third thing is just receive him by faith receive him, push past the doubts and believe that there's more available to you and the Lord is ready to share it Peter says it this way in Acts Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles what should we do as Peter was preaching about the Holy Spirit Peter replied each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this promise is to you, is to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Do you know who those who are far away is talking about? You You are the ones that in this moment as the Holy Spirit was speaking through Peter, he says, "There's, there's a group of people who are far off. That this promise of the Holy Spirit is for them too. It's for you. So the last step in in inviting the Holy Spirit to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you simply make room for Him to show up. So next Sunday is is Worship Sunday. It won't be online. It, It won't be something that we can replicate here in this moment. But I want to challenge you to leave your house and to show up in this room next Sunday. We're going to carve out space. We're going to make room for the Holy Spirit to move. We're going to make room for for the presence of God to meet us right here where we are. We're going to share in in songs together. We're going to take communion together. It's it's going to be this moment where we're carving out space in our busy weeks and our busy lives to say, Holy Spirit, You are welcome, you are invited, and we are ready for you to show up. I want you to be here. Because I believe that as you pray with our prayer team, as you you experience what God is wanting to do in the room, that you you will sense something that is different than you've ever experienced before. So the challenge is this. Start making room in your heart now. Start asking God to remove those barriers now. Start inviting the Holy Spirit in. It doesn't have to happen in the room. It can happen right where you're sitting right now. There's nothing special about the room, but there is power in us being together, inviting the Holy Spirit in the moment. But you can do it right where you're sitting right now. You can turn some worship music on and say, Holy Spirit, meet me right here. I want to remove the barriers. I'm requesting you to come in. I'm inviting you to come and speak through my life and empower me in a way that only you can. Holy Spirit, I'm making room for you. Would you meet me right here? And as you do that, I believe the Holy Spirit will show up. Let's pray. Jesus, you have shared so much with us, and, and we've, we've navigated these gifts, and we've talked about the fruits, and we've talked about the Holy Spirit. And now at this point, Lord, the, the thing that we need to do is we need to get out of our heads, and we need to open our hearts. So Jesus, I pray right now in this moment that you would open our hearts to receive more of your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to, to hear what it is that you're speaking. Jesus, remove the barriers that are holding back the Holy Spirit, from being even more present in our life. Remove those thoughts. Remove those strongholds. Remove those those places that, that we're holding on to things that you want access to. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you to come and meet us in this moment. Would you speak through us? Would you begin to empower us? Would you move in our hearts? And we receive you with faith, standing on the promise that you were not meant just for the disciples then, but you are meant for us now. We receive you. We believe that you are, you are generating new works and new gifts and new things in our life that we couldn't even imagine, that are above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. Holy Spirit, meet us now. We pray all of this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.